There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox and what the gearbox is it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's you, there's a shopping function on it so Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, chasing bear. Colby and I spent the week in Washington State with Buddy Woodbury, and part of the time with Jason Doobie of W Hunting Supply. We went up there on a bear hunt. We hunted some big country for three and a half days out there. And you'll hear more about that later. But we spent a good bit of time at W getting to know more about these guys and what they do in this podcast. We, we get to hear more of 
of Buddy's story. We talk hounds, we talk equipment, and we just have an overall great conversation with Buddy Jason. You're going to enjoy this. We are in the Cascade Mountains of Southwest Washington. We're not at the global headquarters today. No, long no, way from it. No global headquarters. Colby and I are up here with Buddy Woodbury and Jason Doobie, W. Houndspaw. And, it, you know, Southwest Washington is not just W. Houndspaw. It's where you live. You guys are from here. Yeah, not not Yakima, like you said yeah. the first time. <laughs> when I first, uh, is there a Yakima, Washington? There is, yeah, okay. a ways okay. away from. Just looked at the weather there. <laughs> yeah, that you know what? It's hotter that, there. So a while back, I, on an on a ad for W, I said they're from Yakima, Washington. That has spun all the way into the planning for us to be here, because as we're going to tell people in a minute, we're on a hunt. Southeast, Southwest Washington, and I told Colby where we were going, and he looked up the weather for Yakima, Washington, <laughs> which was very different from Yakult, yeah, which was, is warmer. close to where we're at. We're oh, not yeah. in Yakult now. You're correct, but uh, <laughs> but but no, you guys are uh, now, buddy. You you grew up here? No, I was actually born in Colorado, Colorado okay. Springs. When I, did you move to Washington? I think I was. For the, my first year I hunted, I was 14, I think, in Colorado. I'd, I'd hunt with my dad, and, you know, I didn't have my own license, so I kind of went with him. But I took my hunter ed here, so I think it was like 12 or 14. I don't Yeah. Long time ago. And now you're from Oregon. Yes. Yeah, southern Oregon. Yeah. Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. So you were you raised there, Jason? Yeah. I, I Early part of my life, we lived over in Lincoln City, like coastal, um, Newport, Oregon, Lincoln City, Depot Bay. And then when my parents split, we ended up moving down to Grants Pass, Medford area, because we had family there, my grandparents, and I've been there ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just so you guys will know, I've allotted Colby one corny joke per hour. <laughs> Starts so, now. Colby. <laughs> You get just anytime you want to cash that in. Cash it in, yeah. Just, just <laughs> cash it in. So if this is an hour long podcast, you get one. If it's a two hour long podcast, you get two. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. All right. So yeah. Well, I'm from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Originally from Texas. Oh, there's your corny joke. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you corny give me the option, I'll, I'll stamp it fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Colby and I are up here bear hunting. Today is August the first. Opener. Which is the which is the opener for the for Washington State the bear hunt and uh, it, we are spot and stalk hunting. Um, you can't run, can't use hounds in Washington for bear. But uh, yeah, there was there were several things that kind of made us decide to come up here. Um, number one being, I've heard about Washington bear hunting for a long time. I mean, this state has a lot of bear. It's your classic like. Uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, Douglas fir, like describe the wood, the, the the timber to me here, the terrain topography. Yeah, you're mostly looking at like Doug fir here. Uh, we've seen some spruce up there in a couple the spots. Blue that spruce. We, yeah, that we we stopped at. I stopped and showed Colby a, a hemlock. Okay. I found one. He says I would have never even probably noticed that, you know. But yeah. we've got the hemlock and 
Wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Rambo First Blood Part One shot up here somewhere? I think it was. Okay, well, okay. Anybody that's listening to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast is for sure going to have watched Rambo First Blood Part <laughs> One. Okay, and you know the original scenes in that movie when Sylvester Stallone, yep. you know, he's just like this renegade straight out of Vietnam War. Got this big hair. He's wearing his jacket. You know his 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 military issue jacket with his name on it, and he's walking. And that music's like na 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 na. You're gonna you're gonna make me go and watch. I, I don't know that <laughs> you I need to watch more movies, buddy. Oh, there's these beautiful scenes of the Pacific Northwest, and mm-hmm. you see these mountains that look just like these. Yep. So if you want to know. What it looks like where we're bear hunting and where we're recording this podcast. We've we've pulled our trucks up. We're out in the middle of some national forest land. It looks like that. So just go watch the trailer. Watch First Blood. Rambo First Blood Part <laughs> 1. I think it came out in 1984. Looks just like that. Yep. That's where we're bear hunting. It's a good description. So, um, no, these woods, hunting here to me is like hunting on the moon. It's like very different from even in Montana where we were at just a few months ago it's it's very thick mm-hmm. very thick except for there's a few there's nat, there's openings from timber harvest mm-hmm. so there's this blocks of timber that they would have cut but there's also some natural openings and different like around rock outcroppings at some of the higher elevations which the highest elevations that we're going to be hunting around here is like 4000 feet so the relief would be like from like a thousand feet to like four thousand feet. So, you know, you're not getting into like the really high elevations. Yeah, you're not like uh if we went over to like St. Helens, I was telling you some of the spots up there you can kinda of get up but right or you know, hood or some of these there's some big mountains that you only a few of them, like you could see them peeking out, you know, mm-hmm. where I show you the five sisters they call them, but for the most part we're about as high as we can you know, get around here. So in a, several places we've been today, we've been able to see Mount St. Helens like way off in the background. So I wouldn't have known much about Mount St. Helens except it is a massive, just like single peak mountain. I mean, it just looks like a big triangle that has had the top third blown off of it. Tell me the story of Mount St. Helens blowing up. I mean, I know you, you, it, it was in 1980. Yeah, it was 1980, I think. So it was May. an active volcano. Did they know it was May an active 18th, volcano? I think. Yeah, they did. Like, you, you can watch YouTube videos and oh, you'll yeah. see that, I mean, some people died. You know, uh, was it Truman? Yeah, it, he would so. leave his cabin. He's like, I'm going with the mountain. And he went with the mountain. Yep. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, uh, you, you, well, if you YouTube it, you can kind of see some videos of, I mean, just, just gray you know people hiking in you know hiking behind the barrier so they had it all blocked off and i mean they knew it was they knew it was, was it go. smoking or rumbling or for how long did they know that this mountain was going to blow up i think they could see the bulge so they seen the mountain was bulging and so instead of coming out the top <laughs> right, like a regular blew out yeah instead of coming out the top like a regular volcano it just blew the side out and then just huge slide like you know just <laughs> slid the whole thing and then all those if you you know when you kill a bear tonight and you got the rest <laughs> yeah. of the time to go yeah, sightsee, yeah, yeah. we'll go get a second bear because you can get a second bear tag. But mm-hmm. maybe we'll go tour some, you know, and go show you some, you know, we see some big mudslides where it just, it's incredible. Watch some YouTube videos, some of the, the slides wow. and the water and the fallout was unreal. Yeah. I mean, the ash fallout all, all across, over the country, all over the place was unreal. Yeah. I mean, like 
thousands of miles away. I think they said it circled the Earth like seven times. I don't know. It was like in the atmosphere. Mm. Just wow. It, mm. And you still see that mountain smoke sometimes to this day. Yeah, not. I haven't seen it. But ten years ago, you would. It was. I don't know if it was ten years ago. Fifty. I don't know. Like, times. Times are relevant, <laughs> but, buddy. But it used to be like little mini eruptions, and you know, you'd be up there, and like I remember when we first came from Colorado, we hiked, and. And we kept seeing these signs like, you know, no permits required above, I don't know if it was 4,000 or 4,500 feet or something. There's some limit that you got to get a permit. And so really? we come from Colorado. I mean, Colorado Springs was 7,000 feet. So we're looking at like 4,500 feet. What? We don't need a permit for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we live at 7,000 back home. Right. And so we hiked and we got up in there and we looked and it just spouted some steam out. And I was like... Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you gotta have enough time to get off the mountain. Yeah. Seven thousand, it's rough. Four thousand, you can run are down any of that these mountain. Other big mountains, volcanoes. Yeah, they all are. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. they just haven't gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's why I, it's a hot spot. Colby and I live in Arkansas. Right now, we do have a big fault line that comes through Arkansas. Now, thinking about like these big natural disasters that like affect ecosystems, I was just reading on the way here on a, in a book. About there's some big terrain feature in Washington that was formed by and when the when the glaciers were melting a gazillion years ago, there was an ice dam that was formed and up in Canada, and the ice dam broke in a body of water the size of Lake Michigan flowed out of this single section of this broken ice dam in three hours Whoa. and it formed one of these it's one of these huge canyons in washington state hmm. um i mean you know it, it, we we live in like this to anywhere you live there is a story and there are experts that understand the story of that terrain and i'm always interested in topography and ge geology and like you know just how land features came about but like um, I, I can't remember the context that the book was even talking about, but think about a lake, a body of water the size of Lake Michigan that would drain in a matter of hours. And the it basically just carved like a massive, just... Really? Like a pressure washer? It was like, the, you know, and it was a big canyon. And I'm quite certain it was in Washington. Hmm. But anyway, Fact Mount St. Helens, it... it, it uh, change the ecosystem all around especially on that mountain it's impressive once you get mm -hmm. like get into the mud flow and now it's starting to get green you know when we first moved here from, from it colorado nothing. it was it was just bare just ash you know wow and now vegetation i mean pretty good it's actually turned out to be a pretty good habitat and there's a lot of you know there's a mount st Helen elk herd which i think was the largest elk herd in washington I don't quote me but it's a big it muzzleloader elk destination, isn't it? Guys like Some to muzzleload hunt that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, t we'll we're, get, we're about to learn a lot about this place. I haven't been up here very much, but buddy, what kind of, what kind of hound hunting are you doing in Washington? Hardly any. <laughs> um, there's coon hunting. I, I travel to Oregon. I do a lot of bobcat hunting in Oregon. Okay. Bobcat hunting. Yeah. In Oregon. So, um, I don't, I don't break off of raccoons. I don't target them a whole lot. You know, like I, I don't like the dark. <laughs> I've hunted in the dark all night. I've, I've given up hunting in the dark. I like hunting in the morning. So I, um, but I, I used to, 
raccoon hunt, you know, quite a bit. But now I, I just head out in the, uh, to Oda, Oregon and bobcat hunt and uh, cougars. You know, I don't, again, they're not legal to, to run, but I don't break my dogs off them because, you know, I'd like to use them for studies and stuff like that. You know, help. Yeah, so you do some stuff for the for the state with your dogs? Not a lot. If they, um, a, a few times they'll call if they need, if they have a problem cougar um, in town or something like that, you know. Uh, and then I have been working with helping Bart George. You know, he's doing a cougar study up in uh, northeast Washington for uh, really interesting. You should, you should do a podcast with him sometime, but he... Uh, that's neat where they're doing cougar human interaction. And so part of that is, is you got to catch cougar to collar it. And then he yeah. has a, a radio that he plays. I think he's on Steve, you know, meat eaters podcast talking about it, but he plays a sound and then sees, we measure how far the, you know, when the cougar leaves, you know, and how, how so much you, energy you it uses. You know proximity. where the cougar's at. Like you, this is after you caught a cougar with hounds tranquilize it put a collar on it Correct. this is we put a we, then you go back a, and a garmin collar on it so okay. so we, we're able to track it every two seconds and so we can wake that collar up we use a mini collar so we can you know we have a, a special software on there so you can't just track you know you you couldn't take your alpha and go track this cougar but it's a special you know software that makes it so that nobody else can track it and so after you so we go catch the cougar and then they put the collar on it and then we leave, you know, we're, we're done. And then next week we, we go back in there and we find out where the cougar is. And before we take the dogs, Bart will take a speaker or whoever's, you know, collecting the data and you blast the speaker as loud as you can, pretty much 80 decibels or whatever his study says. And you start walking towards the cougar, just walking directly towards the cougar mm. and then seeing when the cougar leaves from the sound. Yeah. If he, if, <laughs> if he leaves from the sound. <laughs> And so you measure that, and so on some of them, he's like 10 yards, you know, 20 yards. It so the, the whole point of it is, like, for hikers, for hunters, for people that are out in the woods, like, it's kind of like trying to say, how often are we walking by these animals mm-hmm. and don't even know it? Or how often, or what what maybe somebody would need to do to alert yeah, a lion of their presence if they were trying to not encounter a lion? Because in Washington, there hasn't been hound hunting of cougars for almost 20 years now you know 90 i think it was 97 that no 96 it it was 94 for oregon and 96 for washington so you know 24 years there's been no hound hunting of cougars and and what we're i mean i don't want to speak for bart's data but what we're seeing is those cats are not afraid of human voice or human people and so after we measure that he measures basically the energy the cougar uses to get away from um, it's human sound. You know, it's, it's actually the right. he, he plays, I think he plays the meat eater podcast. So, so we're, <laughs> we're walking in. I always joke, I said, if we ever talk to Steve, he's never going to be able to kill a cougar over there because he's going to hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a hiker. Yeah, he's just going to just take off running as soon as they hear his voice. Because um, they know a pack of dogs is about to. Yeah, hit. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then after they measure that energy, then we take the dogs and we go catch it, and so it's basically like hazing it. Um, you know, we we tree it, um, give it an unpleasant. You know, I mean they they don't like to be caught, and so and then we leave, and then we go. Back. I hear they don't like to be made fun of. Yeah, you know? yeah. so you get under the tree and you kind <laughs> of hack them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and call it a putty tat. <laughs> yeah, whatever you can. <laughs> yeah. That was Colby's corny joke. I you, took you, it there's cougar hour. jokes to be made. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that counts for you. Sorry, Colby. All right. <laughs> and then uh, they leave. You know, you leave and, and you <laughs> turn the collar back off. And then. Now, why are they hazing them? Um, to see if. So the the question is is can can they they change cougar behavior you know what i mean like there's biologists say oh you just can't change cougar behavior and so maybe you can maybe you can't oh with hounds period i think it's just the so interaction how do you how do you catch a cougar without dogs how are you going to collar one yeah you know it can't so, happen so as soon as that cougar leaves like so the question that they're trying to answer is what um, I'd have to go back and look at his statement, but I think so. One of the, the the questions is: is there's a lot of deprivation kills in Washington? So basically, government, you know, game wardens, whatever. So cougar comes in, kills some, you know an animal, so they have to kill that cougar. We'd rather see it sport hunting. I mean, like honestly, we'd rather see right. those cougars utilize it. You know, the fact that they gotta kill an animal because it does what cougars do and kill things. Um, so, so the question is, is can the behavior change when it hears people walking? You know what I mean? Like if, if, you know, there's, was it last year, two years ago, someone, uh, you know, a biker got killed yeah. and then an Oregon hiker got killed. Um, there was a stretch, like there was yeah. quite a bit of really? action so in right this state, there. There's been some. Yeah. Oh, within the last two, two years has been a, a, a biker. Where killed. did, where did the guy kill that lion with his bare hands? Yeah, that was Colorado. And so r really it comes down to is there a better way? You know, with cougars, there's such a political fight. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, bears too. You always say the bears are the gateway, you know. Um, that, the, I mean, the predators, I think, is, is, you know, in general, if you're, you know, right. you're a bear hunting podcast, so you always focus on the bears. But yeah. bears, wolves, cougars, I mean, those are yeah. your – Three predators. Three things that that are politically just difficult to make any headway because you got so many different user groups that come in there. So we were in a meeting and and the question was was raised that um you know, essentially um it was kind of brought up on pursuit, you know, just treeing a cougar and and leaving it, you know, not harvesting it, catch and release. Um, does is that harmful to a cougar? Is that you know, or, or cougar well, here, safety it, or may, I, I, maybe is this what's happening? Is this what they're trying to study? So they you catch a cougar, then you measure the amount of human pressure that it takes to spook it, yeah, and then you tree it again. So you haze it again, and so the next time it hears people walking, it takes off quicker. Yeah, but— Is that the idea? Yeah, the energy the cougar uses to escape. Okay. So so the what we're well, seeing we with do some more research on earlier, this. the earlier stuff that we, we've seen is they don't use much energy to escape. Like, they are very confident letting you go right up to them. On, on, again, I don't want to speak for his, his, his study, but— We've seen the first time they don't – I mean, he's had cougars that just – like at the point where he's nervous that 
something bad's going to happen, you know? And he's yeah. like, whoa. And then you catch it with the dogs. And so the next time that cougar is like, ah, I better, I, I remember this. You know, I didn't, I didn't like the dogs, you know? So they, you know, maybe the first time was 10 yards and the next time will be 30 yards or whatever. It's yeah, like, I, I might start leaving. And yeah. by the end of it, he does it four times. And by the end of it, I, I think, I haven't talked to him in a while, but most of the time they are not, they're not sticking around by you're time not number gonna four. They they are kind of like getting so out they, of the way. The, the hazing was effective. It seems like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Again, he's got to wait for the study. There's still another year, so yeah. there's yeah. Maybe it changes. I mean, we just want to see what the data is, and we want to follow the data. Yeah. W Hunting Supply is the supplier that you need to use for all your dog-related needs. Whether you need Garmin stuff, leashes and collars, custom T-shirts. Even technical support. That's what these guys are known for is their, is their customer service and even tech support that they give to people with Garmin Electronics and th- different things. They, I, As far as I know, they will probably even give you dog support. Call W with all your dog questions, too. Oh, I'm kidding. W Hunting Supply, they're, they're known for their customer service, and it's a, it's a great company. We just spent a week with them heck you're listening to the podcast now where we're talking to them these are uh these are good guys doing good things for the sport western bear foundation is a non-profit hunting conservation organization being a mouthpiece for bear hunters and bears in the western united states these guys are fighting the good fight join their organization check them out western bear foundation this fall, when I'm muzzleloader hunting, I'm going to be using a CVA muzzleloader. These guys have been around since 1971. You've heard of their products. They, they build multiple types of muzzleloaders. Some of them are more entry level. Some of them are very high end. CVA is a great company. They make a very quality product with Bagara barrels. It's a world famous barrel maker that makes all their barrels. They're accurate, they're dependable, cutting edge muzzleloader technology from CVA. That's what I'm going to be shooting this fall. Uh, Jason, you, so you work for Buddy, you work mm-hmm. for W. Um, what do you, what kind of, what kind of dogs do you run? What do you hunt? Uh, right now we run mainly gray fox, running a bunch of uh, running walker crosses, and there's I think there's a little bit of trig in a couple of them. But now are they tree in these gray fox? Uh, y- some of them. I mean, I'm kind of at a point right now where I got a fairly young pack, uh, and they're not real quick to locate yet. They they can run a track real good, but they're a little light on the locate. But yeah, the gray fox will tree it makes it. So are you are you harvesting gray fox for these dogs no unless unless something happens and they get lucky and catch one by themselves you know on yeah. the ground i don't i don't harvest so any of them so um how do you like we have gray fox in arkansas and i wouldn't know where to tell you to start to strike a track on one like how are you specifically finding gray fox to run uh well i mean most of the areas that i hunt we've hunted for years you know, and we just know there's game there, but a lot of creeks, you know, creek drainages, um, they seem to follow that pretty well. Uh, the 
if you got a good rodent population, it seems like they, they stick around. How does a gray fox run? Like, what's its pattern? Like, for, for people that wouldn't be familiar with animals and running dogs, what what guys that run different types of animals mm-hmm. learn is that different animals do different stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, a bear might just beeline out of the country. Right. Meaning he might go straight up over a mountain and straight down the valley. And I've, I've heard... Uh, guys in arkansas that are running deer a lot of times they'll say deer make big loops big like circles big you know mile and a half mile circles sometimes a coon doesn't really have much from my experience a coon doesn't have that big of a strategy when a dog gets after him he pretty much runs up a tree right i mean um i've heard uh you know so every animal has the specific mm-hmm. thing that it does what does a gray fox do uh, you know, a normal gray fox, they, they loop pretty good. I mean, you can hear a lot of the How race. How big a loop? Half mile? <laughs> Maybe, you know. Do you find the smaller game don't run as, bi- as big of circles? It really depends. I mean, if they're educated, they run different than a fox you just stumble on. You know, I mean, we're running the same fox 20, 30, 40 times sometimes, you know, because we, uh, we just choose not to harvest them so we can hunt. I'm the opposite of Buddy. Buddy likes hunting in the morning, and I I hunt at night after family goes to bed and mm-hmm. go hit the woods. But you know, an educated one, they learn just like anything else. You know, they some of them are road runners. They'll hit the road and make you think they're a coyote for a while, and you'll be second guessing everything. But yeah, yeah a lot of ins and outs. You know, they'll they'll usually hit a road and try to trick a dog there. But if they're going out of the country, they'll usually loop back and stay fairly close to their home range yeah Mm -hmm. you just said something there a fox trying to trick a dog let me ask you two guys master houndsman colby (laughs) Colby, what are you gonna say (laughs) you're talking to jason (laughs) and colby (laughs) do you really think an animal tries to quote air quote trick a dog 100 percent. well let me let me build a case and then you answer i don't think entirely Okay. Oh, I've got both of you answered. No, my my question is because I've heard people say that is is an animal reasoning like I am going to cross through this creek and then cross back over the creek, and when we see that we see reason because we think in reason, we think in logical terms, and so we're like, ah, he was trying to trick the dogs because maybe it did, mm-hmm. but is that just a natural? Uh, just may, maybe a maybe a strategy to lose, you know, something that's pursuing them. So in that sense, I guess it would be a trick. But I don't know. So I'll let Buddy go no, first. No, I you go that. first. Yeah, you you first. Build your case. <laughs> I would say I've seen it too many times. I mean, and this happened last season. You know, I'd run a fox one night, and the next night my buddy would come in and run the same fox, and we know it's the same fox because it's the same fox every time. And he's like, man, this thing ran really weird tonight. It hit this creek, and then it just went down. I'm like, yeah, that's where he lost me two nights ago. You know, and we just see it. I, I don't think that they're necessarily trying to to seek that out to lose them. I mean, maybe a little. But if they find something that works, I mean, I see continuously. They okay. go back and try to hit those same spots to throw those dogs. Or same with running roads. You know, the same areas I'm hunting now – Four or five years ago, I mean, we had a couple in there that would just run a mile of pavement road 
sometimes. Oh, wow. Because they knew they could get away from the dogs <laughs> that way. And you'd swear you were burning Which a lane did they run in? Did they, the did right they side. The they, right were, they were on the right side. Yeah, they <laughs> were good. <laughs> they don't want to get hit, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know about the reasoning, but I think when they find something that works, they definitely go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I guess it's a... a a, a, a way to describe it like a, the term like when i've heard people say oh he's trying to trick the dogs mm-hmm. that's where i'm always like well maybe he's just doing what a fox does mm-hmm. and he's not but i see but we're basically saying the same thing yeah because if a fox does that it's a it's a natural adapted strategy to survive that's worked for him and so he's going to do it again and he can't Face learn of maneuvers from man yeah what were you going to say buddy so i I kind of lean towards your mentality. Like, I don't think that the, and so I, I don't fox hunt, so I don't know fox and I don't th- pretend to be any like great cat hunter or anything, but I can give you one example that I learned on this study, watching the cougar. And, uh, it was actually the first, the very first time we had the garment collar on. We're all nervous. Is it going to turn on? Is it going to work? And I didn't have my dogs in there. And so, and this, this cat had a, um, some younger ones, so we didn't want to run really experienced dogs. And so I'm going to, you know, but anyways, so we go in we do the study. It moves out and it's time to call the dogs in. And we're watching the cougar on the GPS, which is the first time that, in my knowledge ever has happened where we're watching like live a, time. Yeah. Watching the GPS on a cougar live. And, uh. So the dogs come in, and we, we're on the tracks in the snow. I can see the snow. The dogs get there. And so we can tell where the cougar is, and the dogs are at the same time. And that cougar went down, and it hung a 90 degree mm. and went up this little drainage. And then it went up, and it turned around, and it backtracked 50, 60 yards. And this is before it was jumped. Like, if I would have watched this from a, just the dog portion of it, I'd be like, oh, they jumped it right there. Like before the cougar could hear the dogs, it already did a 90 degree turn. It went out, it turned back and it came up and, you know, was off 40 yards, either in a tree or sitting, I don't know, on a rock looking over. And so, I mean, at that point when I seen this, the dogs had not even jumped the cougar. And I just, I I looked at Bart and I go, I'm glad I don't got my dogs in this race. (laughs) And I was like, oh. So what you're saying is he walked past, like. He he, he was he was gonna go bed down over in this one spot, and he walked past where he went to bed, turned around, backtracked he a, himself. He did a ninety degree turn first, went up a couple hundred yards, and he wasn't running. I mean, he was you know walking and he was you know evading, but then he turned around like if you would have seen it, you're like, oh, he he tapped that tree. You know, what I mean, like, you know, if, if so. He and he came back on his backtrack for 40, 50 yards and then jumped off the side and was up, you know, somewhere like that, you know, bank or something. And this was before the dogs had even put pressure on him. You know what I mean? There was no, they were barking though. They were barking, but like they're still trailing. They're They're still trailing. There was, there was no pressure on that cat to, to tree. I mean, there was no what. What I would think of it would take to, to treat a, a cougar. It was just that pressure wasn't there. And if I had just watched it on the Garmin from the dogs, it would have looked like a whole different story. It's like the, the yeah, fact that that cougar saying. did all that stuff before there was yeah. a dog to trick. You know what I mean? It it was it was in, in it. Like I said. So it had, are you saying that is building a case for 
that animal had a preconceived strategy for what to do when it was being pursued? I don't think so. It wasn't pursued. I mean, it barely heard dogs barking. So you just think it was just doing what a cougar does. Does what a cat does. Yeah. And so the dogs went up there and they hit that tree and started training. So one of the guys had to run down there and, you know, we thought, well, maybe there's a kitten there. You know what I mean? Like we, and we're, you know, we're up on top and we're like, that cougar 60 yards from me off to, you know, Northeast. And, and, so he had to go down there and he's like, there's no cougar, there's no cat here. We didn't know if it was a female or what, but so what did that cougar do entirely? We can't, we can only see the location. Yeah. So we don't know if it climbed and jumped. We don't know. And it was young dogs. So it wasn't really experienced dogs, but it just, it opened my eyes that it was like, I would have told that story way different yeah. if I had not seen what the cougar did before the dogs. Wow. And so much speculation inside of a lot, but like, Really, none of us know what happens between here you go, dogs, and and getting to them. Isn't that the mystery of it, though? I mean, like, that to me is, inside of hunting, it's it's one of the last, like, frontiers that, yeah, we use technology to help us, but still, it's like, there's, there's so many incalculable unknowns and variables and things you cannot see. Another and understand or an, predict. Yeah. Another good example would be before GPS, you, know, you had telemetry and you'd be hunting in a place like this and and uh Don, my one of my hunting buddies, Don Gilbert, he would say back in the day you'd hear this race and and it's like, Oh, they're making loops back there, you know what I mean? And it wasn't that you know in your, in your mind you hear the dogs go out and then they come back and then they go out and they come back and so you're you're audibly hearing what your mind's painting a picture of before you had the GPS. It's making loops. It's coming in in sound and out of sound. I see. Well, it was just going in draws. It was going down in the gullies and come back out of a gully. So it it wasn't looping. Uh, so those dogs were just going out of sound because they're going in a creek. You know what I mean? So sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying I don't know that I've got it figured out to yeah. say that they do. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's pretty incredible. What do you think, Colby? I think it's fascinating. Fascinating? <laughs> no, okay. Does an animal have, does an animal trick a, a, a hound, or is he just doing what he does and he just gets away with it? I don't know. I mean, the most interesting thing I saw when we used to run hogs with dogs was a group of we had a big patch of switch cane, and the dogs went in there, and all these hogs shot out one side. And we were just waiting, and all of a sudden, this big boar hog came out the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the most the the thing I saw that made me wonder. It's like that might be cal- might have been calculated, or he might have just been lazy and just like I'm big bad. I'm not going to move because he was like biggest boar hog so I ever saw. So after the dogs left out with all the <laughs> all other, other ones, hogs, yeah, chasing he after went them, out the backside. He went out the backside. Oh, that's classic mature male of any species. Yeah. Just well, look at a bobcat bull. Yeah, ducking on say, you or a fox running back through your dogs. and So well, that I, happens, I, huh? Mm-hmm. I was say bull elk. I've, I've heard a lot, you know, bull elk sneaking off, you know, with the cows. You know, my old man used to say, oh, the cows are, they run the cows off this way and he'd tiptoe around that way. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge, there's much better elk hunters than I am, but what yeah. do you, I mean, how, how do you explain that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, houndsmen say that 
uh, technology, Garmin's being able to track dogs has also told a whole different story of what's happening with dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think there's so many human biases involved in dealing with dogs. Like, even from the point of if you've got five dogs, there's one that you like. We project for, a lot. For no good humans. reason. I mean, like, if, if we were just unbiased and we're like, which one catches game, like... You know, some of them are getting credit for something else, mm-hmm. whether it's it's a blue tick and you grew up with blue ticks and so you like blue ticks mm-hmm. or whether it's you like the way that one looks or whether oh, yeah. it's you like the way that one barks or whether it's you like that one because you got it from some well-known breeder and you think it's going to be awesome. But really, the dog you got from the pound is better. Mm-hmm. Like so when you turn those dogs loose and they leave your site and you hear a race like you kind of. Projecting and a lot of times with big game hunting, the race might even leave your hearing. And so you just get to a tree and all the dogs are there. But I've heard people say with Garmin's, you you know what's happening a whole lot more. Who's in the lead? Who's oh, yeah. falling out? And for people that are just, you know, and, and I'm new really to the big game world. I mean, just in the last seven years, I guess. But like these races are so long that you might have five dogs, and it's not like five five dogs stay together no. in a line, you know, nose on tail, chasing this animal. It's mm. like, you know, one dog catches a break with the wind and maybe gets ahead, and another one makes a lose for whatever reason oh, yeah. and gets hung up on a part of the track. And so your pack can get spread out, and now you don't want that to happen. I mean, you, you would hope your pack would stay together, but... Mm. And so over time, you begin to see which dogs really have a knack for staying in front of the pack, for really doing the work out there. And, uh, yeah, so this technology is showing showing people that. It's changed a lot. Uh, that's what I know I've talked with a lot of people. I mean, it's changed down to the type of dogs you can get away with hunting now. You yeah. You know, like. Shoot, six, seven years ago, you know, or well, it's been longer than that now. But before Garmin, you know, if you didn't have a dog that had tree and stay treed, you didn't have anything worth feeding. You know, it had to stay there with the meat and you had to get to it. Where now, I mean, I, we can get away with running some dogs that are light on the tree or, or quiet on track because you can still keep track of them. Oh, uh, I see. So I think it's changed a lot. Yeah. For the better? I don't know. I think that's a catch-22. I, I think it's responsible for a lot of uh, judgment on dogs. I think used to, you know, a dog could get away with a lot more than yeah. now. Um, it's kind of like having a GPS on your truck yeah. and your boss is tracking you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's definitely changed. Does Buddy have a GPS? Oh, but, well, I guess we need to ask Buddy. Yeah, you here, I'll, I'll not listen for a you second here. Know. He cut his mic for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, Buddy has a GPS on Jason's hey, truck. There's a, G- there's a GPS on Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I got an ankle bracelet going. It's hidden going. under his beard. <laughs> yeah. Keep it tucked in there. Uh, this implant. Um, I don't know. I, the one good thing that I can say is, um, and I always joke, I say, I may not want to go where that dog is but I know where I need to go. Like I, mm-hmm. I may not, you know, back in the day, you look at some of this country and it's like, 
you don't you can't hear the dog you can't you know you get a signal you, and you can beep. get a signal in some of this country you can get a signal anywhere you wanted in this ground if there, if there was a dog in the bottom of that hole right there we're looking at I mean, I'd be driving over here, and I'd go over there, and I'd, I'd spend two hours, three hours trying to triangulate where that dog is that maybe I could just hear the echo, and I could, I, could, I know they're treed there, but I can't figure it out. Right. I may not want to go down that, but I know where my dog is, and, and at the end of the day, I'll go I'll go get him, you know? And yeah. so I, I, haven't, I haven't left the dog overnight um, since— yeah. I've had Carmen. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've spent many a nights sleeping on a little road like this, yeah. trying to figure out how, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly where they are. And in the dark, it's really hard to figure out where to go into them. Um, I just don't, I'm, I don't have to worry about that. I, yeah. I, I can go get them. Well, and it makes it, the guys with limited hunting opportunity, uh, I think it makes it a lot easier. Like weeknight hunts, I can go out on a Tuesday night yes. and go hunt. And when I'm ready to go home, we go home. Yep. Um, you know, you used to, you'd turn a dog loose and if they didn't bark, you know, you'd think the track was over, you'd holler them out. But now you can see they're still working something. And, you know, I, I use that as a tool, like for these young dogs I'm hunting right now, I've been able to hunt them kind of alone away from my hunting partner and be able to watch them on that, not making a peep, but I'm watching them work that track and and know that at least they're doing something they're not wandering around and calling them out yeah what kind of dogs do you have jason they're mainly like running walker crosses tree dogs running dog crosses yeah what what kind of dogs do you have buddy uh mutts i mean i got a little bit of everything (laughs) red white and blue (laughs) don't have a plot (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah red white and blue that's what i was like i got Two blue dogs. Oh, literally red, white, and blue. I thought mm-hmm. that was <laughs> yeah, clever yeah. joke. But it's I got a walkers, red bones, blue ticks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not a walk. I mean, it's, it probably comes from walkers. <clears throat> it, it comes from like a, a desert dog kind of breeding. So, but it looks red, white, and black. And then uh, I got a little black and it's a black and tan looking dog that comes out of some red dogs. So, can I can I describe your living room to the to the crowd here? Sure. So you walk into Buddy's house, and it's a it's a new nice home, and there's a, what appears to be like a built-in long cabinet over right in the middle of the living room. And I thought it was just like a built-in, just like it looked not it looked like a professionally. I mean, it was like just yeah. It's a dog kennel. <laughs> there are five five hole or five hole dog kennel, uh, really classed up. I mean, looks great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he lets his dogs run. He's got a big fenced-in area behind his house, so the dogs are running out there during the day. And then at night, you bring all the hounds right into the living room and kennel them up. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of just started recently because we had to tear down our, our house to build the new one. We were going to do a remodel, and it's it's like a four-year process. And finally, we're like, oh, we just got to start over. So we bulldozed it down. And we bulldozed the barn down where I kept all my kennels. And so with the county and not in the permit process, and there's just, I mean, it's been headache after headache. We were like, well, so we had these wire crates in there. And uh, I was on Facebook and some local gal just had this one little, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like well-built, you know what I mean? Like when I, it's like, I don't want to say it's not uh, pallet built. <laughs> it's not like pallet yeah. wood, but it's just a thin wood. Is you know she's not a, a 
luxury. You know, it's, well, it looks nice. It mm-hmm. looks nice. Um, it's a little bit lighter weight than. I, would I mean, I would. I, I didn't even notice it when I walked in the house. I was just like, it just it fits the yeah. color mm-hmm. of the cabinet. Like I didn't even notice until Colby said, "Look at this." Yeah. And I looked down, and I just took me a few minutes. And I was like, "This is a dog kennel." <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I seen on Facebook, and this gal she she didn't make them by five, but I called her. I was like, "Hey, can you make one by five? And she's like, "How long was that?" I'm like, "What is that thing? It's got to be twelve foot." It's twelve foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I think that that shows you how dedicated you are to your dogs. And he likes to my it wife. enough <laughs> to my wife. <laughs> that's how dedicated I am to my wife. So you're, you're, because your wife likes the dogs. Yeah, she she likes um, she likes to take care of them. She likes the dogs. As dogs, um, I like them too. But um, she really enjoys. Like, I've given up. They come on the couch now, and I mean, I've yeah. kind of given up. Yeah. Now, do your dogs live like normal dogs outside? Like normal dogs, I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine are generally kenneled. I got you know my old blue tick Henry. He he's in the house with us now, and as they retire, we usually move them in. But mm. for the most part, I got a big. It's like a thirty-six foot long metal carport. So we do indoor runs there, and then we're in the process of fencing off a big turnout right now. Mm. Hey, do you mind sharing your your strategy about uh, cleaning dog pens? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good one. It it worked out pretty good. Well, so my oldest son, Colin, he he wants to be with dad. How old is he? He's four. And uh, so he he was wanting to to be a cowboy. You know, I think every boy wants to be a cowboy at some point. Sure, sure. And, you know, I was just kind of goofing off one day, and I said, oh, yeah, that's cowboy work. Well, his ears perked up, and he thought, well, cleaning dog poops, cowboy work. So I, I want to like, do I'm some in. of that. <laughs> and he says, hey, Dad, can, you think I could clean some dog poop? I thought for a second. I said, you know, but I, I don't think you're quite ready. <laughs> and that's where it started. And at that point, I didn't know how long it was going to go on. But this I mean, is we like Jedi Master, yeah, <laughs> houndsman fatherhood. So I mean, literally, this ended up being over the course of probably two months. You oh, know, you we, milked it. Oh, I milked it. Yeah, because every time I told him he couldn't, he wanted it One more day and Colin's more. Colin's going to listen to this. Colin. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you now, but you're a grown man, right? And I'll play your father it for totally manipulated you for work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so for, for like two months, and my wife thought I was crazy. She's like, that's really working though. And, you know, by the end of it, I said, but I think you're ready. You know, if you want to try, you can clean one kennel. Pick, pick a dog. <laughs> so we started with one kennel. And from that point on, it was, you know, that's cowboy work. I want that. Dad, do you think I can do all the dogs today? <laughs> Go for it, buddy. <laughs> that... That is next level. It worked. I don't think I didn't file that one away for when it turns 15 or something. Like, my kids, uh, that's not going to work anymore. (laughs) That was was an investment for the long game. You know, it was uh, insightful. It worked. It's all you out there listening. You get Cowboy work, we'll get we should, it done. We, we should Cowboy get a book work. and we can sell that. We should, we should have given that for free. Yeah. 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 We're going to make this a pay-for podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this one you got to pay for. Well, when I told Buddy about it, he, I remember he just kind of looked at me like, Are damn, you, why did I think like, of that? That's genius. <laughs> uh, what a good kid, though. Oh, you man. Have a good kid. He loves those dogs, you uh, know, and. But it, he, that's his only real interaction with them right now because he's so young and I hunt late at night is 
that's his tie to the dogs now. So yeah. he, he wants to do it. He wants to feed him. He wants to clean him. So yeah, yeah, it worked out. That's awesome. Hopefully long term. That's awesome, buddy. I've got a, I've got a question for you. So so W W Hound Supply W Hunting Supply is a hound supply company. You guys sell garments. You sell all types of hound related stuff. But really, what and we have a, a pretty long history together. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowledge of each other's businesses and stuff. And uh, what I would say that you are known for is not just selling products, but your stance with uh, fighting for hound-related issues in the country. I mean, like, that's, I would say that's a part of your brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it roots from, like, Oregon, because that's kind of the guys I so that's my with. question. Where did that, where did that come from? Yeah, we, like we were talking earlier. Um, one of the first guys that I kind of hunted with that was I want to say a mentor was Rod Clawwitter, and, and he was president of the Oregon United Hound Association. So I kind of got invited to one of their banquet dinners and and just seen the fundraising and um, and so that kind of is where it started before I had. I think I might have done stickers. You know, I don't know what I, I didn't do much, but um, and and then I did this little T-shirt thing, you know, and and it was just natural. I was going to go to that convention anyways, and so um, they're like, "Oh, bring bring some shirts." And, you know, so we set up a little booth or whatever, and so that's kind of one of the connections I had to meet a lot of houndsmen was through that. You know, the other thing was Big Game Houndsmen. It was a website which introduced me on a national level you know like a, right. a before this was before facebook days yeah. so those are the two things that really you know were catalyst in the beginning was organized sporting dog association and then big game houndsman and then um you know all all those hound organizations they're trying to raise money you know they 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 got to raise money to fight to keep hunting and so when they'd ask for donations, I mean, we tried to do what we could, you know what I mean? And, and, and probably gave more than maybe we could afford. I, you know what I mean? I don't, in the early days, but, um, it just worked for us, you know, they, and they, they took care of us, you know, their, their groups and their membership. It was, um, it, it's humbling. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, Hey, they needed somebody and, I always said if if what we do makes the other guys jump in and, and do more, then I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like I, we don't got to be the only one, you know, except for Jason. I never plum a tree. We try to cut him <laughs> out. Of say, yeah, it was, but that's one thing. Even before I was at W and Buddy and I were quote unquote competition. It was uh, so you had a hound supply company yourself. I year, did several years ago. Yeah, I've been with W. It'll be. Four years in February, I think. Yeah, oh. mid February. Isn't this a government monopoly? <laughs> this is like this is like Facebook buying Instagram. Yeah. Well, well I'm, West Coast I'm it actually was. with the FBI. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's one thing I always said. You know, is whether you like them or don't. There's plenty not to like. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you know that guy has done more for our sport. 
yeah. than about anybody I can think of. You yeah. Because it was always, you know, donations here and there. When I walked into an event, I'm like, God dang it. There's double U. We used to call it double up Chuck. My wife and I <laughs> like double up Chuck all over this Man, place. Hey, you know? that, that was my point. And Buddy's the wrong person to ask about himself. Because <laughs> when you hear him talk about himself, he's just like, well... We made some shirts and gave away some money. No, it, <laughs> it was guy, a massive this level. This guy, yeah, this W and Buddy have done a ton mm-hmm. for the Hound community, and um, yeah, and and they have, and I I think it's just I'll toot his horn. Yeah, <laughs> even back but, in I mean, the day, it, it that was from a love of of hound hunting and and uh and seeing value inside the sport. Mm-hmm. It's seeing value inside of what we're doing at all levels. I mean, from wildlife management to the dogs, to the family, to the economics of having houndsmen on the landscape, to the rights and freedom that we should have. And there's no logical reason why it should be taken away from us. Like, but we're seeing it all over the country. So it's, you know, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast and you guys, W podcast, or, I mean, it's like the hound world in the broad scheme of North American hunting is massively under attack. Yes. And so it, that, that creates advocates that have to step up. And as we know, fights these days aren't fought with sticks and stones. It's fought with money, money, money and knowledge and influence. And that's, and, and, you know, we, y'all have worked hard for, with funding some of these organizations and stuff, but also, the knowledge sector of it, just like just informing people about our lifestyle, building a community, like, you know, big game housing website. Um, and, uh, and even just kind of the culture that W's helped build. I think it, uh, I think it builds a, a culture that people want to be a part of. They're just like, yeah, I, I mean, running house is cool. Running house is good for everything involved in this Mm -hmm. this isn't a a good american thing to do um and anyway i think y'all played a big part in that yeah and i think some of that um when i think back like and you kind of we were talking about this in the truck where you know you could have been a deer hunter you're a whitetail fanatic but you would have been lost in a sea of of other hunters so you focusing on bears was beneficial for you and for us hounds was what was our niche and that we, cause I was an elk hunter, I was a deer hunter and I tried to make elk decals and elk shirts. It didn't work out. You know I mean? I, I, we, there's 5 billion other people doing yeah, the same thing. And so when you just find that niche that you fit in, you kind of, um, you resonate is what the best I can describe it is, is you're, you could, you can, I want to say you work half as much. You work as hard, but you see twice the reward Yeah, when you just focus well, such a something. small percentage. I mean, hound hunters in general, like you look at the hunting population of the U.S., I mean, we're talking small. What is it, like 7%, 6% identify? Is Less like, than that. Is it down? Yeah. I think I think right now we're at like 4.5% of the U.S. population is licensed hunters. And a lot of it is because the U.S. population has increased so much in the last 30 mm-hmm. years. But you look at hound hunters beyond that, I mean, we're talking fractions of a percent. Yeah. So... We're, we are the minority, but yet there's so much that can be brought to the table as far as game management and, and things like that, that it's a viable tool. It's hard to uh, have that resonate, you know. So any chance that you have to do that and make an impact, I think you just, you really got to 
double down on it. Well, how how have y'all built that, buddy? Built what? Just just a a community of dedicated people because by see, accident. Okay, you've built a brand, and you know part of my interest in talking to you, honestly, is like almost a business interest. Just like mm-hmm. I like I like brands, and and truthfully. Everybody does. People interact with brands in different ways. Some people are partakers of brands and, you know, that, you know, they like, I mean, everybody wears some logo on their shirt that they identify with, that they're like, this is this, I can identify with this brand. I want to represent this brand. I want my life to kind of shadow what's inside of that. So, you know, how do you, uh, yeah. How do you, how do you do that inside the hound community? Um, and I mean, I, like by accident, like honestly. So, so W, the the word, I don't know if you know what that means, but. I was about to ask you, you got to tell us what that means. So my last name was Woodbury. Because the branding is tough because we don't get it. Yeah. So my last name was Woodbury. <laughs> and so it was, you know, I started as W graphics, you know, and. And honestly, I just didn't want to be at the end the of letter the letter W. Yeah, the letter W. You can't like, see you X, writing y, with your finger Z, right you know, now. Not two U's. No, yeah, just like W. You know, like I, I can't do my alphabet, but you know, it takes too long. But get down to the you know the end. We go backwards from Z, and we can do backwards. You hit the W. My last name was Woodbury, and and I honestly, I I think I talked about this on the other podcast, but I didn't want to be in the end of. The yellow pages, you know, I, mean? I didn't want to be. Like, we would have been crushed. <laughs> yeah, we would have folded <laughs> for somebody to thumb through the yellow pages to get double A round supply, <laughs> right? Triple A. It, it, honestly, that was that was on that was my, my, on my list. list. <laughs> it was triple A, you know, graphics, W graphics. I'm like, well, and so it just kind of was like, oh, the, the word W and and uh, so Woodbury, Woodbury. W W okay. Um, that was that was entirely. But the what, way it's spelled is double like two. D-O-U-B-L-E. U yeah. as in the letter. That was so mm-hmm. I could get. I wouldn't be the first in because nobody goes He'd by the first the fold. In the, in <laughs> the yellow was, pages. Buddy was telling me a little bit ago about how he understands electronics and actually has a lot of background in electronics and how sometimes he solves a problem from the wrong side <laughs> yes. so people can't follow him. Okay, now this is beginning yep. to make sense. <laughs> yes. So, so I was looking at the yellow pages and like, well, I want to be right there. And I had to find a letter that fit the <laughs> fit the answer. And uh, so that's that's kind of what I, my first logo had a W in it. I mean, it actually was a W and it was camoed out and it was crappy as all get out. But, uh, and then it was like, like I would say, like you do something right and it's kind of like getting petted. You're like, Oh, that, that felt good. <laughs> Let's do that again. And so purely accident, like mm-hmm. honestly. And then I started doing it intentional. You know what I mean? Like there was a moment where I was like, Oh, this is what branding is. That's the shtick, right? You there. know what I mean? Well, I mean, what what was the first thing that made you think it was working? Um, seeing a shirt from a distance and going, okay, so you that's like, either a Hooters shirt or that's a W shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can cut that out of your podcast, probably. <laughs> well, like Northwood, what we were watching at your place last time I was up here, Northwood's mm-hmm. Law, and Laura, like we were having a regular conversation, and we hear Laura like. Where's the remote? And she pauses it and backs it up. And she says, that kid's got our shirt on. And it's like <laughs> just this much. I mean, yeah. just like a little section of this shirt. And she's like, 
that's our shirt. We ended up tracking the kid down thanks yeah. to the Facebook we followers. Him. <laughs> we oh, sent yeah. him some new gear. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So it was honestly um, just the, uh, this is the shirt I'm wearing, but it was just the bold orange that was identifiable from a distance when it started to click for me that was like, okay, like I can, that's, that's our shirt. Like you just see it. And now we're trying to separate off a little bit. So we, um, like you see Jason's shirt, you know, he's got the two dogs are kind of part of it. It's hidden because not all hound guys want to be pow, you know? So, so we're trying to feel that out to, to subdue it a little bit. So now we, we've really focused on the logo, which is the two dogs running, you know what I mean? So, um, because, you know, we just don't want to have to have orange everywhere, you know, and, and so, but it's tough, but it, that was how it but started. deeper than that, though, is that, so you had a good logo, which is part of branding, mm-hmm. but you built a, you built a culture that people wanted to get behind. Yeah. So how'd you do that, buddy? Um... By accident. <laughs> By hiring Jason? <laughs> no, it was way before that. I had to fight against the against the current. <laughs> you were going on forums with all these uh you know fake fake names like No, that was that was a buddy w- thing. That was about, about the time James Van Geisel called and ordered something or put an order in and my wife and I are like, That's buddy's buddy. Yeah. His money's good, send it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well we would. I mean like we were fanatical about making sure that we were, I don't want to say the best, but like if, if there was another product out there, we wanted it to test it. You know, was it work? Was it better? Do we need to get it? Um, and that's for every GPS system that comes out, every accessory for, for you know, Garmin. And I still, I, I, like if I see something, I'm like, uh, now I just call them and, and buy it. You know, but back then I was too afraid to call Jason and say, yeah, I want one of your, your antennas to, to do a test on. So I'd have to call a buddy or something and be like, hey, can you buy all these antennas for me? Um, there's some funny stories with that. Guys cussing them out. And... Yeah, there's a whole other podcast from those days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just wanting um, to really... And, 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 and the big change happened when I quit my job at Intel and it was like, I'm all in. Like, this is what's got to work for my family. You know, there's no other. And what year would that have been? Um, 14, I think. Mm. 12 or 14, I think. I think it was 14. Yeah. My, uh, no, I, I tell you, it was after my daughter was born. So nine years ago. You do the math. Okay. Um, she just turned 11, nine. 2011. No. Yeah. So, so yeah. So 2012 is when I, when I uh, quit Intel and started full time at W, and that was when it was not a hobby, you know, because before it was it was more than a hobby, but it was it was a side it was, it was a side business. Sort yeah, of. my wife would you know my, a lot of guys still remember you know call my wife and she would ship and you know they come by and and at that point it was like no we're we're gonna dedicate our our attention to it and um just focus on doing because i mean there in the beginning you had to you had to borrow from the you know you you get a credit card statement or you know you take a credit card fee and well shoot it take two or three days to get that money in your account and so you didn't have any money to speak of and somebody come up called by an 18 dog system and you're like Sure, I could take that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna 
whoever bought an 18 dog system back in 2010, <laughs> we would have to like wait a day or two for the funds to get into the account because we couldn't afford to buy the 18 right. dog system. And so we placed the order just about the time whenever their credit card would take a day. So, you know, we had it figured out down to the yeah, day. It's yeah. like you had, to, <laughs> you had to hold for two days or a day and a half. And then you could send the email just before they closed. And so they'd go the next morning and the, there you go, there it you was go. a loop. And uh, and then I I went to PayPal and and they gave the money instantly. I mean, just like as soon as and, and you could get a debit card with them. Oh, that was the best thing ever because I'd I'd have the debit card and as soon as I took your money, I could place the order, and so we would we a lot quicker. And that's when we really started to get get known for okay, quick shipping. And and now we make it an effort to try to get everything shipped out the same day. The back orders are tough sometimes, but yeah. But if if we have an order in the system, and it it just comes from wanting to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, I think with our market, you know, hound guys in general, there's no such thing as like waiting. If they have a collar that goes bad, they need it now. So, you know, that's where the fast shipping and things like that, the reputation that Buddy's built over the years is where it stands out is, you know, they understand that we understand the urgency involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, those are just... You know, you you read a book on business sometimes, and and it's like do this, do that, do that, and you can read it in its words, but then you need to really just do it. So, you know what I mean? Like it's like you can know what to do, but sometimes doing it is a little bit harder than than just the reading execution about it. Execution is yeah. the tough part. What's your number one piece of advice for a business owner, buddy? Not in the hound world, just a business owner. Because what I've seen is you're good. You're a good business owner. I don't know. You're about an that. entrepreneur. I, I, well, you're right. I take it back. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen all the train wrecks I got behind me? Well, you know, no, I mean, like see, that, that's, that's part of it. it I see, that's that's the misconception is that people think they see somebody that's been successful and they're like, well, of course they were successful. That's you know, the, and the example I use all the time. Of course, LeBron James is the best athlete in the world. <laughs> He's LeBron James. Well, he wasn't always LeBron James. Yeah. Like he, you know, he 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 wasn't he wasn't born that way. He worked his tail off and yada yada. And he's maybe a bad example because he did go pro straight from high school. It's Colby. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was seventeen. Okay. And he's thirty nine years old. What's yeah. his name? And he's still <laughs> Giving us what we want, even if there's no fans in the NBA. Wow, we just took a side tour. Yeah. Uh, no. Either you're going to answer so it, I'm going to answer it for you. <laughs> I, and I don't hear Jason's input, but um, think about it. I think it's, I think the number one thing you can't be afraid of is failure because I'm not afraid to fail. Like Jason will come up with you know an idea, and, and sometimes I say, well, now we're going to do that or whatever. Um, and other times I'm like, Let's try it. I don't think it's going to work. You know, and I'll tell you, yeah, I don't think it's going to work. He's not but, afraid to say, I don't think this is going to work, but. But let's try it. But you let's know, try like, it. Like, we don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I, uh, I'm not afraid to, to just try something. And then, you know, I don't fully commit until I kind of see the, that it's not a dead end, you know, mm -hmm. but right. um, I think sometimes people, and I know for me, I would have never grown if I didn't leave Intel. You know what I mean? Like if I would have never jumped, 
and I don't know if it's Harvey, Harvey, somebody, I don't know. Somebody was talking about jumping. There's some YouTube video about you got to jump. And I really resonate with that because that was what it took for me was I was scared. I had two kids, no health insurance. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot to leave Intel, which I was comfortable. I, you know, I, I had a decent job. I would not be where I am now, but you know, I, I was, they weren't going to fire me. I didn't have to, I, it would take a lot to screw up at Intel to get fired, you know? And, uh, so I jumped. I mean, I was, my wife pushed me. I was, I was going to say, she kind of pushed you over the ledge, didn't she? <laughs> she told me either jump or quit, but, and, uh, and so that was the, the scariest part of my whole ordeal was once I jumped, I was committed and I was like, all right, you better swim. I mean, you, you got yeah, no choice. Yeah. You know? And when I did have a choice, it was easy to just like, oh yeah, well, you know, whatever. So, so yeah. that I'm not telling people to jump until you're ready to jump, but right. you you won't be successful if you don't jump. You know what? It, so in 2013 is when I acquired Bear Honey Magazine, mm -hmm. which was a big jump all in its own. And the way that it worked with me was this opportunity presented itself, and the way that things have worked in my life a lot of times with bigger moves have been like they've just been almost such no-brainers to me and to my wife, too. That That's a big factor. If if we're both in agreement about it, then we can, like, move forward with confidence. But I remember uh, I was going to quit the business that I owned and you know, take that? over what this. What was that? Landscape business. Okay. Yeah, pretty much it. I was doing landscaping to basically prop up my ability to hunt and freelance write and run a nonprofit hunting conservation organization in Arkansas. But what I was doing for a living was just working. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I told somebody over the phone what I was doing. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be landscaping next month. I'm, 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 I've got a magazine. I'm taking over a magazine. Uh, yada, 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 this, this, this. And he was like, wow, that's pretty risky, Clay. And I was like, <laughs> you think so? And Didn't think that. <laughs> I, I mean, for real. I, and, and it was a guy I really respected. He was older than me. And he was a good businessman himself. And it was like the first time that it ever occurred to me that what I was doing People and I still don't think it was. I still don't think it was risky, but people would have perceived it as risky. And obviously, it was. It was risky, uh, just with a with everything. I had no backup plan. I had no health insurance. Mm -hmm. I had no. I mean, but it's. But the way that I've done a lot of things in business is that if you're trying to guard and protect something, yeah, you're probably never gonna like move forward. It's like I had nothing to lose, and I'm not advising people to be reckless. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I had, I, I feel like I had a lot of direction. I mean, it was it was things that I had a lot of input from influential people in my life that was helping me with this. It, it just everything was right for it to work. But but anyway, just you know, I didn't I, I didn't have anything to lose, and that's the way I feel right now with like business and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like the only way to grow is to not be afraid to lose what you've got. Yeah. <laughs> If you can say it that way, take a, take a, not a risk, but you know, you just calculated risk. Yeah. 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 You got to look at it and it gets harder sometimes because in the beginning it was, shoot, it was easy um, to, to go from a small 
business to a little bit bigger business. You know, like I always say, you know, um, to go from $2,000 a month in, in receipts to 4,000, double your money. You know what I mean? Like, and the bigger it gets, um, the heart, you just don't double that anymore. You know what I mean? Now you're taking the rate of growth. Is now we got to grab, Oh, if we can get 5% or 8% growth, you know what I mean? Like the number, it's, it's a bigger number, but back in the day, it was like, man, we grew hundred percent year over year for poof, poof, a couple of years. And it was like, wow, things are just taking off. And, uh, now with, with it's just gotten to a bigger scale yeah. that sometimes I'm over my head. I'm, I'm, I'm literally in over my head that I wish I would have taken a different college class. I wish I didn't have an electronics <laughs> degree, <laughs> a, a business degree. Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's, I want to jump back into hounds, buddy. Mm -hmm. What would be your El Primo hound hunt? If you could do anything in the country. Oh, he's speechless. Oh man. I uh, Be thinking about it, Jason. It's coming. That's tough. Bobcat. That's what I'm doing. Hunting Bobcat in Oregon. September, I'm going to be. That's what I want to do. Okay. Like, honestly, that's I tell. acceptable answer. I tell, I don't know if I told Jason, but I'm pretty sure I have. The whole shop is, at some point, I'm not, I don't want to, I, I never built W. I keep talking about W, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Am I plugging myself enough? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not building this to be a millionaire. I'm building this so I can have some gas money to go up in the woods and go bobcat hunting. <laughs> That's why I work here now. Yeah. That's why Jason's taking over. <laughs> yeah, I I mean if I was are we talking with our own dogs? No, what just like if you just anything, like you could say, Man, I wish I had a pack of hounds and lived in none of it and could chase polar bears. <laughs> I honestly I would love to go back and get a nice bear. A har harvest a nice bear with my own hounds because when we lost all of our hunting in California cuz I had got into hounds after we we banned it here in Oregon and then I say here I'm sitting in Washington I'm And you said we banned it were you a part of that? I was not I promise you that. It was See this uh, is why Jason <laughs> I don't know if you caught that Clay but this is why Jason's good because he's like, oh, this is Clay. He didn't want to pass the blame. No, he he knows that we're on the bear hunting podcast, and he <laughs> see me, I threw you under the bus. I'm like, Bobcats, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I know what he wants. He's, <laughs> he's gonna tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> no, I just I had got into to dog hunting the last couple years that it was legal in California, mm. and I, you know I had harvested two bear down there. And one of them was decent, but I had a dog at the tree, but it doesn't mean they played any part in any of that. I was hunting with a group of guys that, that if it was took me under their wing. It wouldn't have mattered. You wouldn't have known. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say we ever ran GPS in California before it was legal. So uh, I would just like to go back and harvest a nice bear with my own dogs. Uh, mm. I feel like I, I really missed that opportunity just due to the timing. So I, that's what I would want to go back and do. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I hear you. Call about you. Your, yeah. hound, your hound dreams. In my hound dreams? Yeah. Man, I you, think you I... You haven't even done a corny joke. Yeah, you get a hound dream and a corny joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought the corny joke was gone, so my mind's <laughs> well, not we're in racing. our second hour. So. <laughs> Reset. Uh I don't know. I think I'd like to go after a mountain lion or and maybe like a lynx at some point. 
I think a Lynx would be cool. Like a BC, yeah, up in like BC. BC. Yeah. Let's do they it. kill some big ones. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm up for it. For if sure. we can get to Canada, can you even get to Canada right now? Not right, right now. Right now. <laughs> Borders closed. Yeah. Borders closed. Yeah. The Lynx are, are fun. I yeah. I enjoyed that. I was thinking whenever you asked me that, like, it was it was cougar, it was lynx, it was bobcat, and the lynx is just too cold to enjoy <laughs> that long. Yeah. Whereas bobcat, I can just enjoy the. It's not. You know, you do have to go out in the cold for it, but it's not like you in 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 there. It's, it's cold. Yeah. You got to deal with cold a lot. And I don't. Yeah, I think for me, it's part of the allure is just I haven't seen them in the wild, and so it's like something new. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. But you, I want to hear yours. You know, I I'm I am under the spell of the lion hunter these days, and have been for a while. Um, I would, uh, and and I actually, I mean, I have plans to do this to do some do it yourself lion hunting, uh-huh. either in New Mexico or in Idaho. Uh, you know, I've got the dogs that I'm running have some, you know, a lot of them that strain is used for big game. So I feel like even though my dogs are coon dogs, you know, I feel like, uh, uh, well, I know I, I straight to deal. My buddy straight to deal in New Mexico's running a, a little female that he got from me. That's doing really good on dry ground lines out there. But no, I, I would love to take, take my mules on a do it yourself deal. A couple of good dogs and tree big line. Now are that you- would be El Primo. With with your celebrity status, you got any guy that's going to take you? I'd probably take a limo out there. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd probably have somebody drive the truck and horse trailer, and then I would take the limo. Yeah, put the saddle on for you. <laughs> Flying like a boss. Your jet helicopter comes in. Oh, where was this question going? <laughs> Are you gonna? So you say do it yourself. You're gonna you're gonna intentionally not like if you come here like do you're going to okay, have a hard so time keeping up with it, a cat it, dog you do it I mean? yourself is well answer ask your question I'm sorry. so if like, let's just say you want to do bobcat I'm like come on over clay and you come here and you bring your dogs with a a seasoned cat hunter sure. a seasoned lion hunter your dog's going to have a hard time yeah, keeping yeah, up yeah. with that sure. because they're they're just conditioned for that yeah, yeah. so are you when you say do it yourself are you like you're going to go on the mountain by yourself or, I mean, are you either or, you know, I'm not opposed to, I just don't, I've, I've killed a line Uh in Idaho with a trad bow over hounds with an outfitter, Leon Brown. He's a, he's a good, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Leon and Molly Brown, Clark Ford outfitters up there. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, but, uh, I would like to do it all by myself, but I, and I probably won't, but I think it would be like, um, I would just like to have a dog in the hunt. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. You know oh, what that I makes mean? Sense, yeah. And it just not be a, you know, just have yep. a dog in the hunt. I get know it. Know the ground. Like I want to, part of, to me, as much as I've traveled and hunted and as much as I love local hunting like you do, buddy. I mean, I would have probably said the same thing yeah. as you. Like, I just want to hunt right here at home. Right. Like, I think there's a ton of value in local hunting and people kind of romanticize traveling and hunting. And, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but uh, I I like the idea. And like in Montana, I've been up to Montana four times now on do-it-yourself hunts, taking my mules, and that's not with dogs. But I'm starting to find a real connection mm-hmm. to that land yep. just from being there, spending time there. And I've found that's what I value in hunting. It's not killing the animal. 
it's right. learning that like I feel really uncomfortable right now that I don't know 80% of the tree species that I can see right now. I really do. Like that bothers me. Right. Um and uh so you know, just as you so you just want a dog there. So you just want, want you want to be con- you want a dog to contribute. I do. And, and that I do. and I would That would be valuable to me. That would I mean There's a good opportunity for that though. I mean between well, Idaho, Arizona's a good for non resident. Yep. Um Nevada. Like I'm if I can get the time off work, <laughs> I'm looking, you know, I'm wanting to go to Nevada early this Let's year. Let's work out the deal now. You mind if he leaves for about three weeks, four weeks? Not during Bobcast season. Right. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a couple months there, like June, July. <laughs> <laughs> Off season. Yeah. There's, there's but, season know, I'm competing with. There's a lot of good out-of-state opportunities still, you know. Yeah. Like, we're really looking at Nevada, my buddy Brandon and I, and they – I'm kind of like you. I just want to have a dog do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't mind going with Man, buddy, for people but. For people who, and there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that don't have hounds. There is something beyond magical about having a dog in the hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I, I think it goes back to our very origins as humans. I mean, for sure. For, I mean, like, undoubtedly, we survived as a species because of our connection to dogs. Mm-hmm. And that is still very much alive. Fire. The reason that when we see a campfire light up, even if it's not cold, and we want to walk over there and just look at it, it's it's a it's a adaptive trait. I mean, we survived because of our ability to manipulate fire. Hmm. We we we're drawn to it. It's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't make sense. It's not rational or logical. It's and, ingrained. Uh, it's, it's it's like a dog. Dog yeah. fire. Clear water. Like, there's just like, yeah. So, it's cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a dog connection is like pretty, pretty intense for a lot of people. You know, you see somebody maybe don't like a dog or whatever, but I know for we us. We don't like those people. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't trust those people. Don't trust them if they We're don't like dogs. Be friends. They're down in Portland right now rioting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you see it in the pet world. I mean, even people that don't have hunting dogs, like the way people treat their pets is just the unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then to me, you take that, that a, a, a similar, well, in the same strain of value in this animal, and then you turn it into a utility, you know, an animal that has utility that you're hunting with. And I think you've got something even kind of more incredible and even more pure i don't think it's supernatural or super healthy for people to treat i mean i'm I'm all for treating animals very well and having pets and liking them no but fur babies some, some of the stuff that we're seeing is like <laughs> beyond bizarre but the, uh, the pet clothing market when my <laughs> wife was managing the vet clinic what? i mean it it is insane the amount of money that goes into just pet clothing. You know, like it w? blows my mind. We should, we should do a W. If we want to get into the, the pet market, man. Don't do it. I'm not afraid of failure, man. <laughs> Take a chance. Yeah. You might lose it all. It's crazy. Well, guys, thanks so much. Thanks for your hospitality here. We're, so what we're doing, and hopefully you'll hear about this on a later podcast, but Colby and I are about to trek off into the backcountry on a kill bear, a bear tonight yeah and so we're uh buddy and jason are kind of showing us around a little bit up here 
and uh, beautiful country, big country, lots of bears, but it's very, very dense cover. So it's hard to find them. And that's what we're trying to figure out is where to find them. But we're going to, we're going to get back in and do some hunting. Find but the berries. You got me, you kind of turned me on to bear hunting a little bit. I, I haven't had my truck in the woods without a dog box in it in a while. So. <laughs> yeah. See, in my Oregon openers today. So as soon as we're done here, I'm, I'm trucking home. Yeah. <laughs> well, then the hunt is on. No, yeah. Well, buddy, any, any, any closing thoughts you'd like to say to the bear hunting magazine podcast listeners? No, I no, don't. you're I, done. I'm, I'm good. I wanna, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. I try, <laughs> try not to talk too much. And, I, mean, I am impressed. Like this is probably because me and Jason have been trying this our podcast, and you're making us look like a rookie. I mean, like you're. This well, is like Master Jedi. You're talking about Jedi Jason about there. You're like, <laughs> this is like King. Jedi Clay Nukem. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wowed. And my brain is just like racking on how well you do a podcast. So it's, it's I appreciate impressive it. to see it in, in person. I've, I've heard you and I've listened to you. <laughs> um, I, you know, like back years talking it's about cold. 2013, <laughs> um, when you first got bear hunting and we, 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 worked together for a little bit we met at it was michigan i think and and we had to I, I wasn't able to to sponsor you and continue to sponsor you um but you have really like grown as far as what i've watched and seen and uh, it's impressive and so seeing you in person i'm glad you came out and like it's my my wheels are spinning well i appreciate it man yeah appreciate it yeah Pleasure to meet you, Jason. It's the first time we've Same met. Same you. Yeah. Well, yesterday. We chatted a little bit. Yeah. But no, it's a right. pleasure. That's right. All right. Well, Colby, we better go kill a bear. Closing thoughts, Colby. Let's kill a bear. <laughs> kill a bear. That's how on the brain. All right. Might. Me too. Yeah. Well, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.